Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Let the Right Film In, a Nordic horror film podcast. My name is KJ, and I am back this episode to talk about a new Norwegian horror film that just got released here in the States, and that's called The Innocence. So I've been gone for about a month now. The last film I reviewed <laughs> wasn't a horror film necessarily, but it was a really popular Norwegian film that did big um, last year, and that's The Worst Person in the World. And I actually didn't know until pretty much researching this film, a little before I actually watched it though, that the screenwriter for The Worst Person in the World, Eskil Vogt, actually wrote and directed this film that I'm talking about today, The Innocence. And he actually is pretty much like the partner with um, Joachim Trier. He pretty much has wrote most all of his films, I believe, for the most part. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> but them two are kind of like a duo that work together. They actually worked on Thelma from like 2017. That's a film that I really, really enjoyed. Uh, Vogt wrote that film and Trier directed that film. And they actually were both working on this film, I think, before Thelma I was reading. But... Um, Trier kind of dropped out just because he didn't have any experience with parenting. Um, so then they kind of dropped it for now or for the time being, and then they actually worked on Thelma together. But they've also worked on um, pretty much every film in the Oslo trilogy together. Like I said, they and they most recently worked together on The Worst Person in the World. So yeah, this film, <laughs> The Innocence, once I figured out who was behind it, I was pretty um, intrigued, I guess you could say, to check out this film. The film premiered at the 2021 Cannes Film Festival, I believe in like the non-competition uh, part of the festival. And actually, it's interesting as well that this writer and director had pretty much two films there and how you know how big the worst person in the world ended up being and then he had this little horror film kind of there as well but now it's pretty much you know out there in the open and it seems like most people are getting a chance to watch it now so like i said it came out um 2021 and had its premiere at the Cannes film festival and then it pretty much did the film festival circuit. It played here in the States, I believe, at Fantasia Film Festival, one of the genre film festivals it premiered at. And then it also played at multiple film festivals throughout the States and throughout the world, actually. So, it, yeah, like I mentioned, it's pretty much did the film circuit or film festival circuit. And it got picked up by IFC Midnight for distribution here in the United States. So, and they just released it this past Tuesday. So now it's pretty much available for all to see <laughs> here in the States. And before we kind of get into the plot and, you know, what I think about the film, I definitely, definitely suggest watching this film. If you're interested at all, check it out and then come back while we go through the plot before I go through the plot and spoil everything. But yeah, I really did enjoy this film. It's so creepy. <laughs> and that's what I kept hearing about with this film. I heard about this film. I didn't hear about it when it premiered at the Cannes Film Festival. I heard about it a little bit later. I was watching a YouTube video and they were talking about foreign language horror films to check out. And they mentioned The Innocence and talked about how creepy and unsettling it was. So once I heard that it was a Norwegian film, I pretty much added it to my list and kind of kept an eye on it to see when it would come out. And just the poster alone it has a really unique poster with our main character, Ida, kind of like sitting, kind of laying back on a swing. And she's actually upside down 
when you could look in the background and see the buildings it's just a pretty cool poster so <laughs> and i kept i kind of went in pretty much blind for the most part but i did read some reviews and some people talking about how this was kind of like an x-men <laughs> origin story and just when i heard that i was kind of not so much scared but i was a little bit kind of like eh. i don't always love you know like uh supernatural horror type films so even though thelma is a supernatural uh kind of like a science fiction type horror film and i really enjoyed that i don't know why i was doubting <laughs> for a little bit but i was but yeah this movie is very very creepy <laughs> and has four child actors that pretty much uh carry well they do they carry this entire film and if it wasn't for them um doing such a great job the movie probably would have fell flat and not it would not have been as effective as it was if it wasn't for these child actors so yeah, that's kind of a little bit the background of this film, like I mentioned, premiered at the Cannes Film Festival, written and directed by Eskil Vogt, who, like I said, works with um, Joaquin Trier, has worked on all of his films for the most part, and like I've mentioned, if you haven't checked out Thelma, please check that film out. I know, at least here in the States, it's available on a couple streaming sites, or at least one. I feel like it kind of hops around, but... If you, yeah, are subscribed to different streaming sites, just check, you know, look for it. It's available somewhere. But I watched it, like I mentioned, like 2017, and I really did enjoy that film. That film isn't really as scary as this one is. This one is so much more unsettling and uncomfortable. Thelma has its horror to it, but it's really just like a well-done story and just really overall well-directed, acted. And it's a good script, and it's just pretty good. <laughs> it's a good story as well. So do check out that one. All right, so my plan for this episode is to kind of go through the plot. We're not going to go scene by scene and dissect everything, but kind of loosely go through the plot, what happens. I'm going to spoil the film and then kind of just talk about my reaction. And I've already mentioned that I like this film, but <laughs> I'll give kind of, I guess, somewhat of my formal review at the end and what I liked, what I didn't like, if there's anything I didn't like. And then we'll kind of wrap it up and that should be the episode for today. So yeah, so like I've mentioned, you've been warned, uh, check out this film and then come back and we could talk some spoilers. But if not, I'm going to go ahead and dive into the plot right now. So we're introduced to our main character, Ida. She's about nine years old. Um, she has an older sister, Anna, who is nonverbal and autistic. And they are moving with their parents to um, like a new apartment, basically, kind of out in the suburbs. And it's during the middle of summer, and they arrive at this new apartment complex, and there's multiple buildings, it looks like, kind of high-rise. Um, it's almost like a little community of itself. You see a bunch of buildings, and you see there's like a little park there. It's next to like a little lake. It's next to the woods, and kind of next to maybe a little further along, kind of like the highway. But it's kind of secluded for the most part. And like I mentioned, it takes place in the middle of summer because Ida mentions right off the bat that everybody is pretty much away for the summer holidays. <laughs> so it kind of helps or it adds to the creepiness that for the most part, this apartment complex is kind of deserted. There's not too many kids around, not too many adults. Um, it's just quiet for the most part because everyone's away like on their summer trips. So like I mentioned, her older sister, Anna, is autistic and nonverbal. And we see right off the bat that Ida has a troubled relationship with her. She's pretty cruel and mean because she, because she's nonverbal, she likes to pinch her extremely hard to try to get like a reaction out of her. 
And we also kind of just get the vibe that she doesn't, I don't know, I don't want to say doesn't like her sister, but is just jealous of her because um, both her parents kind of spend a lot of their time taking care, taking care of her. Uh, they mentioned pretty early on, too, that her dad, who we don't see too much throughout this film, he's busy with work currently and with the move and everything and his new job. And then her mom, because, like I said, Anna is nonverbal and autistic, not she can't really take care of herself. So the mom spends a lot of time with her. And yeah, Ida is just pretty much jealous for the most part of her getting all this attention. And we see, like I said, early on, pretty much in the opening scene, her just causing pain to Anna right off the bat, making it extremely uncomfortable for us as the viewers. We also get an early scene when um, Ida crushes some glass. I don't know if she purposely crushes it or um, has an accident, and but broken glass, and she puts it in Anna's shoes, um, puts it in there without anyone seeing, and then we see a little bit later Anna putting her feet in the shoes and walking around pretty much all day on broken glass. And then later on, when she gets home and takes off her shoes, uh, the mom notices that her foot is bleeding pretty badly from this cut glass. And again, just very uncomfortable and unsettling. Me just describing it, it doesn't do it justice because the whole film just has this mood and tone of just awkward uncomfortableness and... Yeah, it pretty much puts you as the viewer. It just makes you feel, again, like I keep saying, uncomfortable. <laughs> That's the word I'm probably going to use throughout this whole review, this whole episode. It's just how uncomfortable I was watching this film and really just kind of stays with you as well. So Ida is tasked with pretty much watching Anna whenever the mom's away or busy. So they kind of go outside. And like I mentioned, because it's in the middle of summer, not too many kids are around. They're kind of just left to play on their own. But... She kind of leaves Anna eventually because she meets another kid who lives there, Ben, who's kind of like an outsider as well. And Ben, we find out pretty early on, he has telekinetic powers, basically, and he's able to move objects with his mind. Um, in the opening scene with him, when we first meet him, he takes Ida. He asks her if she wants to go see his hideout, like in the woods or yeah, he kind of like creates, he created like kind of like a hideout with some forts or something. But he shows her a trick where he has like a bottle cap and he drops it. He holds it in front of him and drops it and he's able to move it with his mind instead of it falling straight down to the ground. It pretty much just like shoots to the side. It's very quick and again, right off the bat watching this film, we're pretty much introduced to kind of like superhero type powers or magic and pretty interesting and the way it's done throughout this whole film is really good because it's so like quiet and um happens like just not it's not flashy like a superhero movie or anything so it's pretty well done and cool but so like I mentioned we're introduced to Ben and he's able to move things with his mind like i said he's got like telekinetic powers basically and then while um, ida leaves anna we get introduced to another character who lives at the apartment complex aisha aisha has like a skin disorder i don't know um what the actual name for it is but we just get the sense that she's probably an outsider as well but she connects with anna and we learned pretty early on, I think in that scene when her foot is bleeding, when we first get introduced to Aisha, her foot is also bleeding. So they kind of have like this um, connection together. But Aisha is just like a very sympathetic, very friendly 
character. She's probably the most uh, friendly out of all of them, basically. Ida, <laughs> she is just kind of like, even though she's about nine years old and technically innocent kid, she's doing some pretty cruel things. And Ben as well, we learn very quickly that he's got some um, bad intentions as well. So early on, though, they all do hang out and kind of play together once they start figuring out these like powers that they have. Like I mentioned, um, Aisha, she's able to communicate through Anna. She's got pretty much like telepathic powers where she's able to communicate. And they, like I mentioned, they're kind of like all four of them together start kind of hanging out and playing and kind of testing their powers. So early on, too, we see that Aisha has a pet cat. And when the cat uh, runs away or kind of gets outside, we see that Ben actually um, finds the cat out in the woods. In this here, I'm going to skip this part, but if you, like me, are triggered by any sort of animal abuse, um, I would say kind of skip around 24 minutes to 32 minutes. I was warned going into this film that there was a pretty brutal... Um, animal death in this film and I looked it up I read about it because I wanted to see if I was you know maybe gonna watch it or not or try to skip it and I almost didn't even watch this film in general because I heard about this scene and how horrible it was and I don't know I feel like as I'm getting older I'm just having a really hard time watching animal death and animal cruelty on screen watch in movies it's just something I don't want to watch basically so I did hear about this scene and I looked it up and like I mentioned, if you, like me, don't want to see it, just skip around 24 minutes and go all the way to 32 minutes and you'll miss the scene entirely. And all you have to know basically is that Ben does something extremely horrible to a cat and that's where we'll just leave it there. So, and that's pretty much the first instance of um, seeing Ben kind of, yeah, displaying some cruelty and being, yeah, somewhat mean. And Ida is there as well. And she, even though she witnesses everything, she's still there, but she's also affected by it and a little thrown off. So while Ben, yeah, seems to be nonchalant about it, Ida is also a little bit reserved, but she still goes along with it, even though, yeah, she knows that what Ben is doing is wrong. So let's just move forward entirely from that scene. <laughs> so basically, we'll, like this film is about two hours long, so I'm going to kind of just brush through some of the main events in this film. So like I mentioned, Aisha and Anna kind of have this connection where Aisha is able to communicate um, through Anna, and because Anna is nonverbal, she starts to speak, um, not complete sentences, but she starts saying some words, which is pretty touching when uh, her parents hear it for the first time. First, Ida hears it, tells her mom about it, and then eventually her mom hears it, and the dad as well. And she says, you know, Papa, and she says some other words as well. I think shark or something like that. And so, yeah, we see that them two kind of have some sort of connection, some power. We should also note that um, pretty much, I would say, besides um, Anna and Ida, even though their parents are kind of busy and they're a little bit left um, to themselves, I wouldn't say they have like a bad home life. But Ben, we see him at home. He's got um, just a mom, a single uh, parent mom, 
and she seems to be kind of verbally abusive towards him not very friendly not and she doesn't really pay much attention to him it seems like so he doesn't have the best home life and then Aisha her mom is also single is a single parent as well and we get the vibe that maybe her dad left them because we see her looking at a picture of him and even when she's you know talking through Anna you know keep saying the word papa she's also looking you know at her picture of her dad who we can assume left and we also see that her mom is pretty much depressed she kind of just like lays around sleep she's in the dark and not paying too much attention to her daughter. So another instance of Ben, as he's starting to get towards um, turning evil, basically, he has some bullies there that we see early on. There's some other kids there while he's like trying to play soccer or join in. They kind of kick him to the side and they don't really want anything to do with him. But he's able to. So we know he's able to move stuff with his mind. But we see him, He what he calls it, he calls it fetching people. He's actually even more powerful. He's able to um, control people. So he gets a guy that also lives in the apartment complex, an um, adult guy, and he takes over him basically. And he goes outside, he grabs a rock, and he basically, while this bully kid is walking like on the bridge, he just walks up from behind and smashes him in the head with it and kills him. And Aisha, pretty much right off the bat, says that Ben did this or she believes he did this and she starts to kind of communicate that they should probably maybe do something about this and so Ben uh, starting to kind of turn on both Anna and Aisha so it kind of turns into like a good versus evil with Ida kind of in the middle but also Ben he kills his mother as well in a pretty intense scene while she's cooking um, out of nowhere basically a pan just smacks her in the forehead and she falls down and during this whole scene as well, he's also like controlling Aisha, her memory, not so much her memory, her visions, because she's sitting there talking to her mom. But the injuries he's um, doing to his mom, to Ben's mom, it appears on Aisha's mom while she's just sitting there talking to her. She's like starts bleeding from her forehead and Aisha starts to panic and gets scared. So he's becoming pretty powerful <laughs> and brutal. But he does, like I said, smack his mom on the head with the pan. She falls down, and then she's, like, boiling water for hot dogs. <laughs> and he tips it over, and it burns her legs. And she's begging for help, you know, telling him to call the police and get help, get an ambulance. And he just sits there and watches her die. And, yeah, that's pretty much it, where she dies there uh, on the ground in their little apartment. And very again brutal and uncomfortable seeing this happen so that's the second death that he causes and then a little bit later <laughs> the probably the saddest death one of the meh, they're all sad but this one is poor Aisha poor Aisha she's home with her mom and then we already know that Ben he's able to what he calls fetch people when he knows that Aisha's kind of on to him wanting to stop him he is able to control her mother and he has her mother grab a knife and stab her and kill her and again another just very sad brutal scene so he's pretty much complete evil at this point and it's really well done you know we see evil kids in movies and you know it just depends on how the acting is but 
he's not like super i don't know overdoing it with his acting he is like being very quiet and subdued about it which makes it all the more scary <laughs> and so yeah once he kills aisha i think her mom goes away to prison or gets arrested and ida at this point knows that something has to be done to ben that he is pretty much causing all this and and she comes up with a plan so she lures because he's kind of just like lurking around in his apartment now alone basically because his mom's dead i don't know if anyone ever finds her body or what but ida gets him out she has like a paper airplane toy or something and but she's able to get him out because he still thinks that you know he's kind of he got rid of aisha He's not a fan of Anna, basically, but he's still kind of on team, you know, thinks Ida is on his team or whatever you want to call it. But she lures him out of his apartment with like a toy so they can go play. But as they kind of walk to this bridge that kind of is like goes over a freeway or a highway, she, you know, kind of tricks him into wanting to throw this like uh, toy airplane that she got for him. And while he kind of climbs on the ledge, she gets up to where she's going to push him off. And a adult comes and sees her, but she goes and pushes Ben off the bridge. He falls down, which you, or at least she was planning on him falling down onto oncoming traffic, hopefully killing him. But he somehow misses and kind of just like falls uh, to the side into just like the grass and bushes. He survives. But this adult sees Ida do it, push him over. <laughs> and while Ida's running, he, again, uses, like, his mind powers now to kind of trap Ida into, like, this, um, not so much like a dreamlike, dreamlike sequence, but kind of like in her own, like, horror dream where even though she's, you know, wandering now in the daylight in the woods, it turns to, you know, darkness. And we see these, like, creepy, like, figures these like dark um guys or just characters we don't know they're almost like just ghosts or something kind of coming towards her probably just you know what she's afraid of and while she's trying to run from them there's like three of them she ends up running into the middle of the road in present time she's also holding a piece of glass that she has with her and she gets in the middle of the road and while she's holding this glass she you know is holding it tight to where she feels the pain and kind of awakens from this dreamlike um, sequence that she's in. But pretty much right at the last second, this oncoming car comes towards her. We don't know if this car is being controlled by Ben or what, but she's able to jump at the last second. But the car still like nicks her legs and takes her out. And she wakes up basically at the hospital. Her mom's there. They tell her, she, you know, she's got a concussion. She asks, you know, if the boy would happen to him. And we find out that he actually lived. He's alive. And even though this adult saw her push <laughs> him overboard or over uh, the bridge, they ask her about it. Or at least this adult just says that it appeared she did it, but she wasn't sure. So she kind of just lies and says that they were playing. Um... So eventually we cut to her coming home. I'm assuming it's almost like that same day or what, because Ben, when we find him, he's still like beat up from the fall. I don't know when, how many days passed or if any. But Ida comes home. Um, she comes back to her apartment. We have another pretty good scene where we see her kind of sitting with Anna and then we see her mom cutting like vegetables or something in the kitchen kind of off to the distance. 
she's got a big knife and then she kind of just like slowly like stops cutting she kind of like puts her other hand on it starts feeling the knife and then turns slowly towards anna and we you know us as the viewers are thinking that ben is controlling her and he possibly is but anna sorry but ida quickly notices and locks herself like in the closet or bathroom and then her mom eventually just says she's leaving and leaves so we don't know if he was actually controlling her or what we see anna she eventually gets up or she notices ben and he comes and we're back now also i should mention that uh the hall the summer holidays are like over now and this apartment complex is like filled with kids and parents and it's pretty hopping they're they're all about <laughs> they're all around this apartment complex outside playing and we see Ben show up and there's just some good shots where it's all done with like no um, talking, no voiceover, no nothing. We just see him and Anna kind of just stare down at each other. He is, like I said, pretty much like on the edge of the park walking towards the apartment complex and she eventually leaves the building. She gets out and they kind of just have like this stare down <laughs> with each other, which sounds silly if you didn't see, if you have not watched this, but he's across the lake she's across she's on one side of the lake he's on the other side and they're kind of like testing their power so now anna's got powers as well before we just thought she was you know she was only able to communicate with aisha aisha but she's also got um telekinetic powers as well she's able to move stuff and they're kind of like testing each other trying to like outdo each other basically and they're having this stare down you know, wow, there's a ton of kids and parents and commotion going around, going on around them. And eventually Ida, she's got a cast on her leg and somehow she also has like powers as well. Cause she's able to break the cast while she like kind of screams and it breaks off while she's trying to like get out and she makes it downstairs. She makes it outside and she joins her sister and they hold hands and basically Anna just needed her sister and both of them kind of like uh, sister power <laughs> and them two together basically take over Ben and he kind of just slumps down on a swing set and then just kind of slumps over and we just assume that he has a heart attack or suffocates and Ben dies there. There was also a scene earlier where he tortures, I forgot to mention, kind of does the same thing to Aisha when... I forget what exactly happened, but they kind of got into it and he kind of chokes her out with his mind or kind of, you know, yeah, he kind of suffocates her, but quickly Ida pushes him and stops it. But the same thing happens to him where Ida and Anna pretty much use their powers to kill him and he dies. So the last scene of the movie is Anna and Ida back in their apartment. We see Anna, she's kind of drawing on i don't know i forget what they're called <laughs> but she does it throughout the whole episode it's that it's somewhat of a toy where you can draw on it but then kind of just um erase it very quickly just by i don't know using the handle and going through it i'm describing it very badly <laughs> but she's just on there drawing kind of doing what she's been doing throughout the whole movie and ida kind of breaks down and goes and starts crying and hugs her mother and the last shot is anna while she's drawing the circles, she kind of stops, she erases it, and possibly maybe she's going to draw something else because I think she draw, she drew a shark early on in the uh, movie when Aisha was communicating with her. But the last shot is just her drawing, erasing it, and then about to possibly draw something else. And I, like I mentioned, Ida crying and hugging her mother. And that's where the movie ends there. And 
yeah, <laughs> a lot. It's a long movie. It's about two hours long. I don't know if it necessarily needed to be exactly two hours long. They probably could have cut some stuff to make it a little bit tighter. But what I liked about this movie is it does hold the tension throughout the whole runtime for the most part, I have to admit, and give it credit. It has a really good score where it's really quiet, almost like a piano playing and just some um, instrumental music, but kind of haunting as well and quiet. And yeah, everything about it, the mood especially in this film, is just so unnerving and you're pretty much just anxious and on the verge of possibly almost having like a panic attack watching this film because you're so nervous about what these kids are going to do and they're so evil, <laughs> especially Ben, what he does is so bad. But in it's all like fair game where you don't know what's going to happen next once he takes out poor Aisha. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen to Ida and Anna next. I also forgot to mention, I was talking about Ben while I was kind of going through all the evil stuff he does. There's also a really good scene where I think it's either, I think it's probably before because he kind of like escalates in what he does, but he, they're watching those kids play like soccer, basketball, and then we get these shots. We're kind of zooming in on these kids' legs while they're running. We know what's going to happen. And then he just, with his mind, he cracks one of their bones, one of their legs. And you see, like, the bone come out of the shin and the kids just lay in there screaming. And the way it's shot, everything is shot during the daytime and uh, the summertime. So none of it is in darkness except for that, like, dreamlike sequence with Ida at the end, which is pretty creepy. <laughs> But for the most part, this film, almost like Midsummer, takes place in natural bright light and makes it the more scarier <laughs> that all this is happening during the day. Um, yeah, during just normal working hours, basically. But and I just liked all the cinematography. I think the cinematographer I read, he did um, another round, that film from like two years ago, um, that uh, Danish movie, really well done. And he also, man, he shot another movie I saw, but I can't remember off the top of my head. But the cinematography is really good in this movie. And I liked how a lot of the shots, especially with like Ben and Ida, we see them kind of when they're kind of doing their stuff, they're kind of from like a distance, just like staring, you know, like at the camera or yeah, we're just like watching them from a distance really far away. And they're just like these innocent little kids, but they're just like up to no good. <laughs> and the way it's shot is pretty creepy. And yeah, just everything about it, like, you know, the apartment complex, like we're just kind of in one setting for the most part, just there at the apartment complex, just right outside it, kind of at like their little playground. And there's a little, like I said, a little lake and some woods next to it, but we're all pretty much contained for the most part. I think for the most part, this film, um, I don't know. I don't think you have to dig too deep into it, but I think the title, The Innocence, kind of just, you know, um, is like tell all basically, or kind of just tells everything because I think what we're meant to get out of this film is just, you know, how these kids are innocent, but can quickly, you know, turn evil or bad without, you know, guidance and uh, without their parents or parental uh, vision. vision. <laughs> so like Ben, for example, you know, he starts off pretty innocent when we meet him. He seems like a friendly kid, but once he starts developing these powers and because, you know, he doesn't have the best home life and doesn't have, you know, his mom's not paying attention to him. And like I mentioned, she's pretty like verbal. She's pretty abusive towards him. Um, and just not friendly. So he doesn't have any guidance or anything. And he turns to cruelty with, you know, animal cruelty. And then it kind of just escalates to 
hurting kids and then to murder. So I think it's just, you know, that right there is just so unsettling when, you know, this movie just takes, you know, it's these kids playing outside and they say it a couple of times. I think Ida says it, you know, she's like, we're just playing. And to them, they are just being innocent, especially her just being innocent and playing. But, you know, what they're doing isn't <laughs> and it's not right. So I think Ida, I like the end of this movie because I think her breaking down and crying and finally standing up with her sister, I think we can expect that Ida is going to somewhat turn out good, her morals, <laughs> because in the beginning, you know, she's not the best character, what she's doing to her sister, she's, you know, causing pain to her because she doesn't think that she can feel because she can't express herself. But once, you know, I think at the end of the film, she knows her sister, yeah, ha has feelings and can express herself, even if she's not able to all the time, she knows she has feelings and can feel pain. But Ida, like I mentioned in the beginning of the film, she's just kind of like teetering. She's in the middle where she can kind of go either way. The movie, like I said, presents kind of just like good versus evil, which sounds a little uh, sounds a little cheesy, but it's not. It's really well done in the movie. But Ida's kind of in the middle where she can kind of lean towards evil with men. And, you know, she's doing some really bad stuff and witnessing and everything but at the end of the film you know she stands up with her sister and I think her breaking down and crying is somewhat of a loss of innocence but also I believe now she knows what is right and wrong and will hopefully move forward you know with some good morals and will do what's right there's a good scene when she talks to her mom before you know her plan to kind of take out Ben she talks about you know what should we do to mean or mean people or if they're mean and it's almost like her growing up because the mom mentions, you know, you as a kid, you know, you should just tell an adult. And she asks her, you know, is anyone being mean to you or is someone mean? And she says no. And then Ida asks, you know, as an adult, what should you do to someone who's mean or being mean? And the mom mentions um, either take care, you know, figure it out, take care of it yourself or go to the police. So I think Ida eventually is kind of pretty much growing up in this scene to where she kind of takes it upon herself to kind of take out Ben, even though she's only nine years old. But I feel like it's kind of like telling parents and telling adults, you know, to stand up for what's right, basically, you know, don't always just hide in the corner or just let things go about. I thought that was kind of interesting. And I think the film too, yeah, just these kids doing this stuff, I think it just shows that kind of like evil stuff can just happen in daylight <laughs> right under your nose, basically. And a lot of times if you're not paying attention, you know, stuff can be going on that's not good. <laughs> so I don't know. I think it could be kind of like trying to tell parents to kind of, I'm not a parent, so I can't really say anything, but I think somewhere in this film, they are trying to say, you know, maybe pay attention to your kids or, you know, just kind of be there for them and try to guide them and, you know, get them to do, you know, what is right. Uh, just very interesting. <laughs> I think a lot is going on in this film. So I think too, again, like I mentioned that last kind of like uh, standoff scene between Anna and Ben, I think how it takes place basically again, during the middle of the day, um, with everybody around them. There's a ton of parents kind of with their kids and it's all done silent, silently. But I think, again, that kind of just shows that, you know, stuff can be going on like under your nose <laughs> and as an adult, you know, kind of pay attention to the, what these kids are doing. But yeah, so overall, I really did enjoy this film while watching it. 
it's one of those films that just kind of sticks with you at the end. After you finish watching it, you're just kind of like, man, that was pretty unsettling. <laughs> and, you know, it sticks with you. It's been a couple of days now since I've watched it. And I'm still thinking about it. And, yeah, it just kind of puts you in a mood, an uneasy mood, which I think, you know, good horror films should do. <laughs> you know, there's definitely different um, subgenres of horror. You know, you got your, splat your um, splatter films, your gore fest films. But, you know, this type of horror that can really get under your skin is always like what I'm looking for. And, in a, and right now at least is what I enjoy the most. So yeah, I definitely did enjoy this film quite a bit. And I hope this director, this writer continues to make, you know, horror type films. So I'll definitely keep an eye out for him and what he does next. So I think he yeah, has pretty much going to wrap it up for this episode. Uh, if you did listen to this and you still have not checked out the film, please do. Like I said, if you're here in the States, it's available to rent or buy on VOD. So just check it out there. I think it's also playing uh, in some theaters as well across the States or across the country. So if you want to, yeah, check out your local or your indie cinema. It might be playing there. So like I mentioned, you know, I've been off for a little while. <laughs> I took a little bit of time off just kind of, uh, I don't know, just I was working actually on my other podcast. I have another podcast um, where I just do a little bit of TV stuff. But I'm back and there's actually, a, this is a good time for like Nordic uh, horror films because there's a couple that just came out recently. So so plan on me, you know, being back pretty soon. I plan on checking out a couple more of the hatching or hatching or the hatching is a Finnish film that just came out recently. So I plan on watching that and doing like a review. Uh, I might even do The Northman, even though that's technically like an American film, but it's set in Iceland, it's, you know, deals with Vikings. Um, that's a big budget film, but I might watch that pretty soon and maybe do a review for that. And then The Twin, which came out in Shudder, is another uh, Finnish horror film. So yeah, a lot of stuff coming out right now. So definitely, you know, Hopefully I'll be able to watch these films soon and get some episodes out, but I'm pretty excited to check them out. So yeah, keep, you know, your eyes open on the feed. I think I shouldn't, I think I just went about a month <laughs> without uploading anything. So I don't think it'll be that long until I come back. I might be back next week with another episode. I'll probably check out uh, either, I'll probably check out The Hatching next. Like I said, it's either called The Hatching or Hatching. <laughs> I apologize, but I'll probably check that out next and then come back with a uh, podcast episode on that so I'm definitely looking forward to that and then I'll probably check out the twin and the northmen uh, in the upcoming week so yeah you know stay tuned and I should be back pretty soon but yeah thank you as always for the listen I truly do appreciate it um, yeah if you want to follow me on letterbox please do at kj steiner and I think that's it <laughs> oh yeah I'm gonna wrap it up and end it here so like always thank you for the listen I uh, hope you have a good rest of the week and I will check you guys out next time Bye bye